Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi listeners, old and new. Coach Kevin Don here with another weekly injection of Fitness Facts. This week I'm answering a listener question about drinking caffeine before a workout. But before that, let's hear from Chris in Australia, who wrote in to ask about trap bar deadlifts. Chris writes, Hi Kevin, I really enjoy your no-nonsense evidence approach to strength training. I'm an experienced lifter, however I would like to know your thoughts on the hex or trap bar deadlift as a replacement for conventional deadlifts. I have lower back and glute issues, which were irritated by conventional deadlifts, so I swapped over to hex bar deadlifts, and they seem to be much better for me. Does this variation still hit the same areas as the conventional deadlift, or do I need to add in some additional exercises to make up for any deficiencies? Appreciate your help. Thank you for writing in, Chris. Well, the hex bar or trap bar deadlift is not something I generally prescribe to my clients. In fact, I think the only time I've done so was to use it for heavy carries. I am, of course, well-versed in what people see as the benefits, which are mainly that they put less pressure on the lumbar spine, which could be useful in any lifter with a low back injury, and that they're easier to learn and therefore more accessible to most people. I have my own reasons for not using it. As you noted, the muscles being utilized may be somewhat, although not hugely, different. It's a hard thing to say definitively because it depends on anthropometry. That being said, in the conventional deadlift, the main error that I see in the setup is people being too far from the barbell, which allows you to squat down to the bar rather than hinging at the hip. When you squat down, the shins will touch a barbell and push it away from you to the wrong start position. So it's a helpful way to know we're in the right position because you have both visual and tactile feedback. In the hex bar or trap bar, there isn't that tactile feedback from the bar being in front of you. Therefore, a lifter can squat down rather than hinge, which would turn the movement more towards quads than it would hamstrings and glutes. This could be problematic as far as a well-rounded strength program go, or for motor control or motor pattern development, since it's less like a hinge. In fact, there's a spectrum or continuum from squatting all the way to hinging. So we've got a 100% squat on the left and a 100% hinge on the right. At the left, in our 100% squat, we would have really upright positions using more quad, like a goblet squat or a front squat, And on the far right, at 100% hinge, we would have things like a good morning or a Romanian deadlift. The way most people perform the hex bar or trap bar deadlift would put it closer to the middle of this continuum than it would be to the right. And a conventional deadlift would be closer to the right. 
So I consider it a poor choice to develop the hinge. The next reason is that many people get a sore back deadlifting because they overextend at the top. This being in spite of the fact that they have a barbell against their thighs, preventing this occurring too dramatically. In the trap bar deadlift, you can overextend at the top all you want. So therefore, I think the risk to reward ratio here is off. In addition, you now have to stabilize a load, which is able to swing side to side and front to back. I think it's a higher risk factor for people than the conventional deadlift. Your hands are also spread much wider apart in a trap bar. Wider hands means that your middle back muscles are more spread out, which makes it easier to round the middle back, something we don't necessarily want. The closer the hands are together, the less likely it is because the shoulder blades begin to pull together because your shoulders themselves are externally rotated. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. So I would say for you that the real solution here is actually to investigate the low back and glutes, to focus on fixing that so that you can return to hinging rather than moving to another exercise. I'm a big believer in humans being able to express the primordial patterns of hinge, lunge, squat, push, pull, and core engagement. And if we can't do that, things are just going to get worse for us physically in a use it or lose it scenario. I hope that helps. Thank you for the email. Remember, if you have any questions for me, email me on getfitguy at quickanddirtytips.com and I'll do my best to get a reply to you or answer your question on the show. Now, on to caffeine and training. Is it healthy? Do we need it? Is there an optimal time of day to consume caffeine? So this is a tricky one because there are a few things to unpack here. But first of all, I want to dispel the idea that caffeine is a stimulant. That word is used a lot around caffeine and it's not the truth. Caffeine is actually an inhibitor. It inhibits the production of adenosine. Adenosine is linked to sleep because it signals your body that it should sleep to recover when fuel, 
ATP, adenosine triphosphate, runs out. By blocking the adenosine receptors, caffeine inhibits drowsiness. It's really popular pre-workout for that reason. It lets you train longer without feeling tired. And if you're already in a slump, it blocks the receptors telling you that you're sleepy. So the issue for me here isn't taking caffeine itself, but where you source the caffeine. It may come as a surprise to hear that there are actually different caffeine sources, natural and synthetic. Natural sources being, as you would expect, drinks such as coffee and tea, but also other sources like dark chocolate. Synthetic caffeine is made in a laboratory. It was heavily used by the Axis powers in World War II because blockades prevented coffee from reaching Europe in meaningful quantities, and they used caffeine, amongst other substances, to keep their troops engaged for longer. Here's how it's made. Ammonia, which is a byproduct of the waste system of an organism, is converted to urea. This is then combined with a chemical called chloroacetic acid to form a compound called uracil. This is then converted to a chemical called theophylline, and combined with methyl chloride to form synthetic caffeine, which is a chemical known as methylated theophylline. This new substance actually glows bright blue. So it's then rinsed in substances, including chloroform and others which have been listed as possible carcinogens, to remove the blue coloration. Because it's significantly cheaper to make huge amounts of synthetic caffeine than it is to refine caffeine from natural sources, almost all the readily available caffeine-containing beverages from the major players use synthetic caffeine. In fact, in the U.S. market alone, the two largest soft drinks producers use over 3.5 million pounds of synthetic caffeine a year in just their two top products. This doesn't include any of the other caffeinated beverages that those companies produce. Now, aside from the chemical firestorm listed above, synthetic caffeine does not need to be processed by your body in the same way. So it hits your bloodstream very, very fast and with full power. Natural caffeine sources build up gradually in your bloodstream. This sudden spike in alertness, or technically lack of drowsiness, from the synthetic source results in a similarly sharp drop-off which has you then reaching for another can or bottle of the good stuff. And this is how we end up in that cycle of just having slumps and reaching for more caffeine. Now, as someone who greatly believes in fitness being defined as the absence of disease in the organism, I can't say it would ever be advisable to knowingly expose oneself to potential carcinogens or to a potential for reliance on a substance to get through training or indeed the day. So is caffeine a useful tool for training? Well, yes. Being alert and being able to go to train is going to be more useful to you than being sleepy and going home for a nap. But I would definitely advise everyone to look for natural caffeine sources over synthetic and be mindful of the five-hour half-life. If you go to gym in the evening then a caffeine jolt might not be the best because of the impact upon your sleep-wake cycle. How do you like your coffee? My go-to is a flat white. So good. Get Fit Guy is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. Thanks to the team at Quick and Dirty Tips, Adam Cecil, Morgan Christensen, Holly Hutchings, and Davina Tomlin. 
The intern is Cameron Lacey. I'm your host, Kevin Don. If you have a question for me, leave me a voicemail at 510-353-3104 or send me an email at getfitguy@quickanddirtytips.com. For more information about the show, visit quickanddirtytips.com or check out the show notes in your podcast app. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.